before we get into the book, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the PHXNest pod on Instagram and PHX pod on Twitter. You can also email us at the Phoenix Nest pod at gmail.com. The links to our social media can be found in the description below this whole thing, wherever that's at, <laughs> along with the link to our Goodreads and our favorite independent bookstore, mostly books. Now to Cemetery Boys. Yay! Kat, before we get into it, how did you feel? Um, I really didn't know what to expect because, well, I am kind of famous for not reading the blurbs before I actually read the book. Just because I always hate the blurbs, so, like, I just don't do it. Um, So I didn't really know what I was getting into. I was super happy to see all of the different ways that there's, like, Latin culture. Okay. That's kind of represented throughout the book. There's a lot that goes into it, and it's a lot of, like, really, really old school stuff that I think people wouldn't generally know about. I mean, I'm not saying I knew everything that was in this book. Like, there's no way. Um, But there was a lot in there that was really cool because you know that it's historical things. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. We've read historicals, and they're not nearly this enticing no i guess is the right word i don't know so um we're going to preface this episode and next next uh episode as well with this is a ya romance we are covering ya for the month of may because we fucking felt like it (laughs) <laughs> great reason great reason yeah um we tried to theme the the months is what happened and we've never done a ya we decided we were gonna do one yeah and it's a lot different than reading regular romance novels there's a lot more focus on the actual characters interactions yeah rather than the sex part which is totally fine we want to let you guys know that as adults that read YA, we understand that we can't say, I wish they were more adults. We know what we went into when we picked these up. We yeah, know and you they're wouldn't want that. No, and we don't expect there to be sex. We don't expect there to be the adult feelings because these are not adult characters. Um, I know recently on Twitter, there was a big thing about adults saying, I don't understand the character. I wish there was more sex. I wish this was steamier. These are children. And, like, sex shouldn't be what makes or breaks the character. No. And that's something that I think people maybe have a weird misconception of. Yeah. To fully understand a character, you don't need them to be naked. No. Not physically naked. And we've read adult books, adult romances, where there was no sex. Or the sex was very little, and it didn't base anything on what the characters did or who they were as people. And if you're more concerned about whether or not these 15 and 16 year olds are going to fuck, then like you're reading the wrong books because that's, that's too far into like the pedophilia thing. It's too voyeuristic and there are children involved. Like there's a lot that goes on where you have to draw the line. As a parent of an almost 15 year old, it would be weird to me, to read a book about 15, 16, 17-year-olds having sex? I think there are some examples of why you shouldn't do that. I mean, if we look at the Twilight franchise, mm-hmm. um, I think it left kids, like, because I was, like, what, 14 or something weird like that when that came out? Yeah. I think it just leaves you with more questions 
then there are possible answers for for things like that. And there so there are YA romances that do have sex scenes in them. Um, the Fault in Our Stars by John Green that had one in it. You just have to be very careful with how you portray the sexual relationship of underage people. Yeah, and it's a huge, huge difference between a character who's like seventeen versus a character who's like fourteen. Yeah, like that's that's a huge difference, and that's really. Something that people don't seem to understand. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, there was so much going on in this book that it wasn't like we missed the sex because that wasn't the point of this book. This book is for like, it's like a self-discovery book for YA, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And so if you went into this hoping that there's going to be some steamy romance, then it's the wrong book. If you want ghost sex, look for those books. You know what I mean? Like they exist. There is an adult romance called Halloween Boo with ghost sex. Have at it. I feel like I've read some weird ones. I mean, there are definitely some out there. But we picked up we picked up these YA books knowing full well what we were getting into. We understand what they are. We do both read young adult novels in our own time. I'm part of a young adult book club. Um Which sounds weird to like say that, but like if you understand (laughs) where it's coming from, then it's fine. Like I mean, you read them because you're a teacher. Well, I try to read things that the kids recommend. Yeah. You know, and then I try to to turn it around and recommend. Like, I often recommend Cressley Cole because, I mean, there's a little bit of sex in, like, the third book in the series of Poison Princess. Yeah. But it's not, like, like weird explicit. You know what I mean? So If you want Cressley's explicit stuff. There's um, extra. (laughs) Immortals After Dark, um, The Player, The Master, you can read all of those. But... We, you know, I, like I said, I have an almost 15-year-old. I read a lot of young adults. Um, we give each other recommendations. She'll tell me, hey, you should read this. And I'll be like, oh, hey, I haven't read that one yet, but yeah. it's on my shelf. I'll pick it up. Um, when I say I'm in a young adult book club, I'm not the only adult. It's literally 18 plus. Where- it's for YA romance. And YA is really anything like 13 and up. Yeah, it's just adults who still enjoy the Maybe stories. 12 and up. I can say too. It's as like Harry Potter's YA. Harry Potter is YA. And yeah. that's like for fourth and up, like fourth grade and up. Well, and I think too, though, it's um, it started out middle grade and then moved into YA. Yeah. And that's pretty normal. You get the ones that toe the line a little bit on either side. But we read them because we enjoy them. I'll tell you right now, I would prefer a young adult fantasy over most adult fantasies because they're not full of convoluted bullshit. Yeah, and I think it's usually an easier to understand straightforward plot, mm-hmm. whereas, like, adult novels have so many twists and turns and, like, weird political references or, like, something weird that's just, like, hard to get over. The hardcore adult fantasies are, like, all political, and I'm like, I don't want this. This is why I don't watch Star Wars. <laughs> so, like, for our book today, for Cemetery Boys, one of the plot twists was just, like, how... Like I said, it's straightforward, but it's almost like soap opera straightforward. But we're gonna we're gonna jump into that. I need to read us the blurb because we went on a very long tangent about YA sex scenes, which I guess was like important though. (laughs) It was important to get it out now as opposed to read the synopsis and then run off that trail. Yeah, uh, go ahead and read us the synopsis. Um, So first of all, excuse any pronunciation uh, that we don't get correct if you are someone who's Spanish speaking. While we both can kind of speak and understand Spanish, I, in my head, I fought with myself over the names. I just fought with myself. Yadriel and Julian. Yeah, but then they call them Yads. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. Which is really annoying to me. I don't like that. <laughs> All right. Yadriel has summoned a ghost, and now he can't get rid of him. When his traditional Latinx family has problems accepting his true gender, Yadriel becomes determined to prove himself a real brujo. With the help of his cousin and best friend Maritza, he performs the ritual himself and then sets out to find the ghost of his murdered cousin and set it free. However, the ghost he summons is actually Julian Diaz, the school's resident bad boy, and Julian is not about to go quietly into death. He's determined to find out what happened and tie off some loose ends before he leaves. Left with no choice, Gabriel agrees to help Julian so they can both get what they want. But the longer Yadriel spends with Julian, the less he wants him to, or I'm sorry, wants to let him leave. That's it. It's very short. It's very to the point. Mm -hmm. Didn't hate it. No. Because there's not like, the mystery lies elsewhere. It's not in this part. No. I Um, like that they got the loudest truck ever just passed by. Cool. And if you hear my cat, I'm sorry. Um... He has a ball. He's very excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that they got the main part of will Yadriel become a brujo done quick. Yeah. Like, that's like the first chapter. Yeah. And I think it's – so we need to backtrack a little bit. So if you're not someone who knows a lot about Latin culture or Latinx culture, I guess, um, mm-hmm. brujo is like a witch. Mm-hmm. Or brujas, like my aunts right now think they're brujas. Oh no. <sighs> they're doing like. Listen, my family's really into like spirituality and like crystals and stuff. So, like, I understand that focus. Yeah. But right now, they've been like putting spells on people and I think doing some voodoo, which is not brujo. Um, they're just mixing cultures. They're just pulling from whatever feels right, apparently. But, like, so they've been putting spells on people. They've been talking about who has what demons attached to them. And then, like, my one aunt was like, oh, well, let's be it. I have, like, five demons attached to me. That's why I did this. And I was like, I told my mom, I was like, that sounds like something a demon would say. Like, it's not my fault. I have all these demons attached to me. That's why I did it. Like, okay. I love your family. Because okay, but now it's both sides are doing weird stuff. <laughs> I love your family because they are weird. Yeah. And they make my family feel a little more normal than they are. And my family is weird as fuck, too. It's weird because both sides of my family are into spirituality and, like, the crystals and the whatever. A lot of stuff that was, like, weirdly mentioned in this book. But on my mom's side of the family, it's more about, like, readings and, like, spiritual energy and auras and, like, stuff like that. Manifestation. And then we've got voodoo. <laughs> like witchcraft but like it's all really recent on my dad's side i don't understand but so essentially being a brujo would be being a witch Mm -hmm. or a bruja if you're a female right um but in this book we're talking about someone who helps um lady death yes to guide souls between the different realms which would be like to the afterlife not necessarily heaven but something that could be viewed as like heavenly because it's supposed to be like one big party and like you're reunited with family and like same kind of belief systems in in some ways not always so it's like a weird thing to try to explain so what happens is from all these different like aztec and mayan cultures we have you know, people whose bloodlines are are very heavy in magic. And then it gets out of control with human sacrifice. 
And um, you can't use your own human blood or anybody, any human blood, really. Right. It's too powerful. And then you have the, like, is he a leopard or a panther? A jaguar? Jaguar. Why? They're all the same sometimes in my head. <laughs> They're like the jaguar, who is essentially like the representation of hell and Jibalba. Yeah. And like that kind of stuff. And so what's happened is like all the magical lineage has been like diluted. Mm-hmm. And so now they all work together to make sure that spirits who are tethered find their way into the afterlife or they have to send them if they go maligno. Yes. Which is like they turn into evil creatures. They turn bad. Which is essentially, so the description in the book of when Tito turned maligno was, like, essentially what every scary movie is of, like, an evil zombie trying to kill you. Oh, God, but it's like a ghost. And they're, like, rotting. And, and they're they're evil, and they come after they're you. They're missing their teeth, and, like, they're they, super strong. Yeah, they're really scary. So, okay. <laughs> but. So, Yadriel is trying to prove... That he has what it takes to be a brujo. And his family is like, no, you're you're female. You need to be a healer. Yeah. But then he's not a healer. He like, makes healing things worse, right? Yeah. So. Because we find out when he decides he's going to go through his quinces by himself with his with Maritza, with his cousin. Yeah. Um, he's going to go through his quinces on his own. And the whole point is that his family thinks that if he goes to Lady Death and tries to go through his quinces, that she's going to reject him and it's going to hurt him. Because he is a trans character. Because he's, he's a trans. born female transitioning to male. And it doesn't go into all the details of what that would mean. Because for for his family, like there's no way that they could afford all the treatment and stuff. No. It's wearing a binder. It's dressing in very masculine clothing. And it's doing... The masculine things, and for for Gabriel, that means being a brujo and not a healer. Yeah, and so he goes through his quinces with Maritza, and this happens right at the very beginning. Like it starts. It's like the first chapter where they're sneaking into the church. Yep, and they need chicken blood. But they (laughs) they didn't sneak into the. The actual no, they did sneak into the the real church because mm-hmm. they sneak into the old church. Because Tito later. is there, yeah, yeah. So he goes through his quinces, and Lady Death accepts him because Lady Death knows mm-hmm. that Yadriel is a boy and not a girl, so he's going to be a brujo. Yeah, but he can't tell anybody that he went through his quinces by himself because he feels like his dad is going to still shun him and tell him he can't do these things. Right. Even though he's got his, like, ceremonial dagger and he's done all the things. Can I just say I want a ceremonial dagger? That sounded badass. Okay. Just the whole situation. Like, Maritza is supposed to be a healer. She refuses. She wants to forge things like her father does instead of being a doctor. It's because she's a vegan. It's so funny. (laughs) So, so we go through all this and a lot of the struggle that Yads has is actually just his his very, very Latin family accepting that he is he and not she. And, like, we've had a conversation about pronouns before. We've mm-hmm. had a talk about pronouns, like, especially with some of our friends, that it's it's a, it's a thing about respecting them as a human. Yeah. And, and so, like, Yad's going through his quinces shows that even though his family may not accept that he identifies as male mm-hmm. or a boy because gender is boy girl and sex is male female we can talk yeah. about the science of that later but he goes through all of this and lady death has like accepted 
Like, yeah, you're a brujo. You can do the things. Yeah. And he's still super concerned because the rest of his family, his human family, is like, no, stay with the women. Stay with the women. Well, at one point, his dad even misgenders him and says, you know, you have to stay here with the other women. Yeah. And I do want to say there is a character who does use Yadriel's dead name. But we never find that out. We know we don't know the dead name, which I respect. Greatly. Which I don't think is so bad. Um, I think that's a really, really important point to make that when people are transitioning, they often choose a different name because very often they don't have a like unisex name, mm-hmm. and so they ch- they change it either completely or they make it the other gendered form of their name, whatever it is, right? Yeah, and um. And so that's something, too, that we see later that Julian crosses out Yad's dead name. Dead name in the and yearbook. And puts Yadriel in there, which is really sweet. Um, so Yadriel is good, getting stuff done, and then suddenly has this overwhelming feeling of loss. And this is like a, like a magic in- intuitive kind of thing yeah. that runs in their family. That they can feel when someone has crossed the other side, but they feel the intensity or they feel the emotions in different ways. And so throughout the book, we see that Yad has felt people's like exhaustion or sadness or whatever it is. And that's something that some people, I guess you would call those intuitive type people that can do that like empaths. Yeah. Um, But this is specifically like magic fueled versions. I think it's kind of cool though that they made that it's mostly the men who feel it first mm-hmm. because of being the brujos. Yeah. That they Aiden made the characters male that are going to be the mo- more empathic characters. Because usually when we think of empaths, we think of women. Yeah. Because women are more in tune to their feelings and shit. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever it is, right? Um. So... We see all this happen, and Yads has this feeling of loss, and it turns out his cousin Miguel has gone missing. And But when you feel it, it's like severing the tie, right? That's yeah. the whole problem. And it's getting really close to Dia de Muertos, and that's a big problem, too, because you have to figure out what happened to Miguel. And so they're trying to find out, and that's when like the fight we're talking about with, with Enrique, who is Yad's father. Mm-hmm. Um happens and Yaz and Maritza are like, uh, screw this, let's go figure it out. Yeah. And they go into this old, old church on the property. It's, and it's real creepy. Scary. I so like I don't love going through ruins and ghost towns. Okay. I think that they can be really interesting, but I it am also the person that used to walk through cemeteries. So I don't I don't know what it is about old churches that freak me out. They're creepy. Regular churches creep me out, too. Like, let's just be real. <laughs> I'm non-religious. I'm surprised I don't burst into flames when I hold a Bible. I always make that joke, like, when I go into a church or something. I picked up a Bible so today when my coworker was here helping me out. And he goes, oh, shit, you managed to do that without bursting into flames. And I was like, yeah, but did you see me drop it real fast? It burned my hand. <laughs> it burned <No>. my hand. <laughs> but it is one of those things where, for some reason, churches, even though they're supposed to be, like, these holy places and they're full of hope and stuff as soon as they're like run down and they're derelict like not yeah they're like not cared for anymore it's 
they just take on this creepy feeling. Well, and not only is it creepy, but they have Lady Death, like the original Lady Death that they had. Where she's partial skeleton oh, and she's God. missing teeth or parts of her face. And like there are different iterations of Lady Death, even in this book, let alone, you know, in, the in real life. And, yeah, you in, know? Yeah. A lot of times it's, uh, they mention it's like Virgen de Guadalupe, yeah. that kind of pose. It's the same. I mean, it's the same. It's the same in this culture, you know, a modern one too. Yeah. So it's it's just interesting. It was fascinating. I, the church scared the shit out of me. I'll be honest with you. Like that's not a church I want to go into. Well, and then ever. like the whole purpose of going in the church was to find who they thought was dead, right? Yeah. So they're actively searching for dead bodies, which is something I don't enjoy. No, that's not a thing I want to do. And Yads finds this necklace, and it's like I don't think. You know, I don't think this is Miguel's. Like, it doesn't have St. Jude on it. That's not really Miguel's stuff, you know? Yeah. And he's like, but maybe we can, you know, find the spirit and see who's tethered to it and see if they knew anything. Yep. So he goes about setting up for the ceremony and he calls back the spirit because when they're, like, powerful, they can do all kinds of stuff, right? So he calls the spirit and it's this this teenager and it's Julian Diaz. Yes. My favorite, chaotic, precious baby angel. <laughs> yeah, he is adorable in, like, a lot of ways. So, like, they summon him, and he at first doesn't understand that he's dead. No. He, like, is like, what am I doing here? Like, where's my skateboard? Where are my friends? <laughs> Where did you take me? Like, I mean, I imagine that's how most people who died suddenly would feel, right? He got jumped in the park. Yeah, while well, he's trying to protect his other friends. Yeah. Like, so that's a big deal. And then they have to be like, dude, you're dead. Like, you're a spirit and you're in a cemetery and we go to the same school and, like, all this stuff. Yep. And it doesn't answer any questions because he doesn't know who Miguel is. He hasn't seen anybody. He just knows the last thing, which was he was in Belvedere Park and he was jumped and that's it. And his skateboard's missing. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, super upset. And so then it turns into this whole thing where they're, like, gonna hide him, which I don't understand how – you would do that successfully to hide a ghost. Well, in a in a like cemetery full of other ghosts in Brujo, in a house full. Yeah, there's just no way that that because Yadriel definitely takes him home. Yeah, I, there there's no way in hell they can see him. That's like the time I tried to bring a kitten home and thought my dad wouldn't find out. Surprise. He found out three days later, but he did find out. <laughs> Just took him a little bit longer than you thought. It, it did, but, but I- so I guess that doesn't that part doesn't really matter. But we learn different things about ghosts and like ghosts like moving things and all that stuff. I don't. It kind of bordered on poltergeist activity a little bit, except not. Scary. scary like poltergeist, I think, is associated with mostly scary, like evil. Joker kind of thing, like peeves. Yeah, like yeah. you do annoying things just to annoy the shit out of people. This yeah. is more. I don't know. Ghost. Have you ever read any other like ghost series? Because I've like I've read Meg Cabot's Mediator series, and that's a romance too. The only other one that I've ever read, and I don't know that it really even counts, is the Charlie Davidson series. Okay, we covered the first one. Um, other than that. Not really. No, I don't think so. Okay. And I and I do like, I read a lot of paranormal, so you would think I would have at this point. I was just thinking about the differences between 
the functionality of ghosts versus like ghosts in other books. Okay. I think they're pretty common. Like there's yeah. some really common things. Um they're usually not like really detailed outlines of a person. They're kind of like grayed out, blurry, see through them a little bit. You can't always see very clear details. No. It's like to me it reminds me of like when you watch old movies that are, aren't in color, like from the 60s. Like the really old, like you're watching a, like a 40s and 50s sitcom. Yeah. And they're kind of, they're, they're kind of grainy. Kind of out of focus. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I can see that. And then, I don't know, a lot of, it sounds like a commonality It would be that like the longer someone is a ghost, the more they're able to do. Like, Tito was able to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, he can garden. and he But he had been a ghost tethered to that place for, like, years. Yeah. Julian's learning how to do things, like, pick up balls of paper and, like, stuff like that. <laughs> um, but for the most part, everything, like, just falls through him. I love the first thing Julian says is uh, he's hungry when he comes back into the house. And he tries to eat something and he can't eat it because... He's all disappointed. It's disappointing. But then because they made food specifically for the spirits, for Dia yeah. de los Muertos, he can eat that. Which I was like, fuck yeah, that's cool. But mostly a concha. Like, <gasps> but like that's the you? main thing that he can eat. But wouldn't you also want to eat conchas? Oh, heck yeah. I feel like we should go to Food City after this and oh, eat conchas. God. I just <laughs> like Mexican food lately. Oh, God, it's so good. Um... But yeah, and then what are the other ones? Oh, like feeling like a breeze. Yeah. Or feeling like cold. Cold. That's pretty normal. Because yeah. yeah. like that's what they say now too. Because I think it takes, a, it takes a lot for like a spirit or a ghost to like touch you. It's not impossible. I know. I should preface that with if you believe in ghosts. If you believe in that. I believe. Or if you've had a ghostly experience. I've had ghostly experiences. I believe. Yeah. They'll fuck you up. Trust yeah. me. Oh, they're scary. But also... I mean, it is what it is. We're not going to get into the weird shit that I've seen, okay? <laughs> Just shit happens. Shit happens. I I think it was done really well, though. Like, ghosts in different ways. Because, like, you think about it, you think about ghosts as it's just a ghost. Right. Every, every book you read, it's just a ghost. It's a spirit passing through. But this one, like, they could go bad. And they did have more strength the older they were. But they had the, you know, if the tether went bad, then they'd go maligno. Yeah. And that isn't something that I was really familiar with. I mean, I don't doubt that that's like a, a thing <laughs> where you have like bad ghosts and good ghosts and stuff like that. But this was just like they're denying their fate for too long. Mm -hmm. And so they turn bad and they turn into like this evil zombie version of themselves that tries to kill you. Ugh. And then you have to like force them to go. You have to cut the, the tie by force instead of when they're ready, which is yeah. a problem. It's a big problem. Which you don't want to have to force them, I guess, is the idea. They they well, should want to go themselves. The other issue, too, is that Yadriel realizes that he's having a hard time cutting the tether. Like, his te the tether for Julian won't cut. Okay, but first of all, this was clearly taken from the, one of the best Disney movies of all time, Hercules. Yeah. Where they're, like, the trying fates. to cut the golden thread, and yeah. they're like, it won't work. That's clearly stolen from that, which is fine. I'm not angry about it. I fucking love Hercules. But, like, the then Yaz kept being like, why won't it work? Why won't it work? Why won't it work? 
And I'm like, because he's still alive, you asshole. Like, come on. <laughs> That's, yeah, that is 100% because he was still alive. It was, so there were some, some things that, like, tipped you off where, like, I guess if I was 13, I'd be like, I don't know what's going on. But because I'm the opposite of 13, <laughs> um, like, it's like, oh, I know what's happening. So, like, throughout this, they're, like, prepping for Dia de Muertos, which is a huge ceremony where they need lots of flowers and arches and um, the ofrenda and, like, all kinds of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's a huge party where where spirits come back from the other side just to visit and Spend see time their, with family their family and, like, all that stuff, right? Um, it's one of the only times that they're, like, visible to people, even oh. if they're not brujo. Can you imagine? No. No? <laughs> like, it'd be weird to me. It would it? Well, so if you think about the people who are passed on, like, in my life versus... Like, like in, in my your life. life. Yeah. Like, a lot of the people who have passed on are people I didn't know very well. Okay. Like, I've had a couple of friends that have passed. Yeah. Um, And, like, my grandmother. Yeah. And, like, stuff like that. Um, But other than that, it's more, like, people I wouldn't know very well. You know? That's fair. Like, I would do anything to be able to talk to my grandparents my dad uh-huh. and my aunt. Yeah. Like, those are my people. Like, if I could just see grandma one more time, yeah. hear, hear my dad laugh one more time. Which is kind of the point is, like, they're able to, as long as they're remembered, yeah. they, can, they can come back for Dia de Muertos, right? The spirits can. And that's something that, if you've watched the movie Coco... I is, still haven't. Oh, God. I come meant, on. I meant to watch it this weekend, and then I was... And then you were out. I was out. But, like, it's... It's just one of those things where the representation of what that looks like and why the ofrendas matter mm-hmm. is really well represented. And it's in here, too. Yeah. Um, they're in charge of, like, decorating the sugar skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gifts that you leave, you you bring them alcohol to warm their bones or, like, their favorite foods. Like, that kind of stuff. And that's a normal thing in Dia de los Muertos as an actual non-fictional thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because, like, we grew up, you grew up here in town. I grew yeah. up in a really small Hispanic town. Like, we grew up around the culture. It's interesting, too, though, because there's kind of a divide between the people who, like, hardcore celebrate Dia de Muertos and the hardcore Catholics. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because, like, the hardcore Catholics are, like, the more conservative um go to church. Ghosts aren't real. Like, you have all that stuff. Like, you still have your rosary and, like, all that. Uh-huh. But, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're celebrating Dia de Muertos with everyone else. Yeah. It's very, very different. And it's very obvious here. Yeah. Because tons of people turn out for for the festivals. All Souls Day. Yeah. And, like, the procession and stuff. But you don't really see all the Catholic churches, like, showing out. Which I think is so interesting. But then when I think about, like, people who are Catholic that I know... I don't think any of them ever celebrate Dia de Muertos, so... My grandparents are Roman Catholic, uh-huh. and we were always told as kids, don't talk to them about, like, ghosts and stuff, because they'll they'll tell you it's not real. Yeah. Because they don't believe in any of that. Yeah. It's very... It's just a very, very stark difference between religious beliefs. Yep. And it kind of shows how, like, the really old school religious beliefs that are kind of tied to magic and intuition and, and healing and all that stuff... Um, there's that, like, huge separation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that they showed really well here was because you see a lot of 
just normal things that <laughs> that we would expect. Yeah. Because of where we live. Well, the ofrenda, the, you know, yeah. the gifts and stuff like that, because yeah. that's all normal. And they also talk about, so, a lot of the gifts that we have... It's not always just, like, food and drinks. Mm-mm. They leave things to them on their altars and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so, throughout, we see different ceremonial things. So, like, the different feathers that are used for headdresses, the different things embroidered, um, the different, like, precious stones or metals that are used for the different things. So, it's just, like, there's a, a lot. lot. There's Especially a lot. the healing stuff is interesting, too. I thought they... There was a lot of it that I was like, wait, is that, like, a thing they actually do? Because, like, we, I, like I said, I grew up in the culture. I, I grew up around it. My birthday is on the second day mm-hmm. of Dia de los Muertos, so I'm pretty much fucked for my birthday when I was a kid. Yeah. All my friends who did celebrate were at the cemeteries. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of it as a white kid who was in the culture that I don't know. Yeah. So there were there were things that I found interesting that I was like, wait, that's a thing? That's kind of cool. I thought it was done really well. I enjoyed it. I loved the magic system, too, because, like, that's not something we've ever seen, I don't think. Um, I don't think we've read any for, like, in a book form. I know mm-hmm. that we've seen stuff like this in, like, movies. Yeah. Um, but, so, part of the problem is that... <laughs> Yadriel is not the only outcast. He has a tío, tío Catrice, who is also an outcast. And it's not because he's gay or anything. It's... His his magic isn't as strong. It's too diluted. Yeah. And so he's not... He's supposed to lead all the Bruex, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he can't because of his diluted magic. Yeah. And so he... Little to the family's knowledge is like really fed up with him. He's really good at faking by the way cuz you wouldn't you wouldn't think that unless you were more familiar with like plot line. Yeah. Um but then they keep talking about how Lita has like lost the the different the, the jaguar knives the and daggers and like stuff like that and how they're only used for bad magic cuz it's from back when they did human sacrifice but we don't do that anymore and that like pretty much sends you to, to hell, right? Yeah. And so, like, going on and on, and she's mentioned that she can't find him, and I'm like, oh, we all know. Like, we all know where they went. We all know, but at the same time, I'm going, but are they in your house? Because I grew up in a on a street where it was, like, four families were all on the street together, so, like, were they at your house, or were they at the other house? Like, where do they get shuffled off to? Because, like, it could have been anywhere. They're just maybe missing, right? Yeah, they just might be missing. I mean, they may be in the <laughs> attic. It's fine. But they're gone. Yeah. And they're just, they're not there. Not being used for good things. So, as she keeps asking about all of this stuff, like, I need you to get this down from the rafters. I need you to check the garage. Because she's, like, directing the setup for the ceremonies, right? Yes. Um, They're also preparing for other ceremonies. Because quince's is not quinceanera. No. Quince's is something different. Because we've grown up in Tucson, where everyone talks about their quinceanera, and they can just call it their quince, right? Yeah. And it's only for females. Yep. Um, it's your fi- your sweet 15. And it's like a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. So they kind of briefly talk about quinces, which is a rite of passage to becoming an adult. Yeah. Um, but then they talk about the presentation of the Bruex, right? Yeah. And so that's called uh, the aquilare. 
Is that what it is called? I think so. Okay. So that's like a presentation of like, we accept you as Brujo or Bruja, mm-hmm. and you have to show like your dagger or your rosary or whatever and show the magic in it. And you're just accepted into the community at that point. Yes. And that's what Yadriel has been denied mm-hmm. for so long because he can't have his quinces and he can't have the aquilare. Yeah. Right. And so that's like a huge big deal, even though he already did his quinces on his own. <laughs> And so we have this weird, like, stressor going on where he wants it so bad and his family's like, no. But then he's hiding a ghost in his room and then taking the ghost to school and then trying to hunt down Julian's friends. And it's just like... And still trying to find his cousin. This, like, huge, like, snowball effect. Like, I honestly don't know that I would have been the person to keep Julian a secret. I feel like I would have gone right to my my dad, who's in charge of all the brujos, and been like, listen, hey, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I did wrong. I tried to call Miguel. Mm-hmm. Got him instead. He's kind of chaotic. He's the huge, like, ADHD child. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. <laughs> he's, the, the scenes where he's running through the school, like, in the classrooms, messing with stuff. Doing whatever he wants. Oh, my God. They were so funny. But also, I'm going, oh, my God, that was my sister. <laughs> my sister were a ghost as a teenager. Be unstoppable and oh annoying. Oh, God. But they, I don't know that at that age that I would have been able to balance all of that. And I really, I don't know now. that Yads can. Like, it's only for a couple days. Yeah. Oh, but right? it's, it's showing. It's, it's showing the light. Like, there's no sleep going on. There's some... Some sneaking out of the house, sneaking into the house, sneaking all over the place into like tunnels and washes and shit that I wouldn't do. Bad side of town, like just a lot of things. We're Stealing like, a if car. I was fifteen and it was after school, that's not what I'm doing. I have homework. Just too much, too much pressure. I was a cheerleader at fifteen. I had shit to do. Heck, it couldn't have done it. It was a lot. That's all right, though. I mean, he tried. He did his best. And you know what? Honestly, he did pretty well. So we go through and he... Part of the problem, too, is, like, not everyone can see the ghost, obviously. Yeah. So he has to, like, pretend he's not talking to anybody, but he's really <laughs> bad at it. Oh, He's God. a terrible liar. He's obviously talking to Julian, but he's also talking to, like, normal people. Yeah. And can't, like, balance that. And so Julian is, like, obsessed with the idea of finding his friends, Mm -hmm. making sure they're okay, and finding his skateboard. Right? (laughs) They find us tacos at one time. God, that's so bad. (laughs) And he was like, my tacos! (laughs) Like, gross! They're three-day-old tacos they found in a bush. Oh, God. Well, the dogs found. The dogs found, yeah. Um, So he, like, tells them where to find his friends, and his friends are like, Super untrusting, which, after we find out kind of their backgrounds, we understand why. They all they've, had shitty lives. They've had, like, a lot of abandonment problems. Yeah. Um, like, foster care, state home, which is not the same as foster care, no. gang initiation. Oh, and he was such a baby to be in a gang. And then, like, Julian's like, listen, Luca just wants to fit in, and so... The easiest way for him to feel like part of the team is was joining a gang. They, like... <sighs> got him and then we had to get him out and there's burns and like there's just a lot right and so (laughs) they're just going through so much and 
we find out that Julian has an older brother, and his older brother takes care of him, but they've had a big fight. Mm-hmm. And Julian, like, left. He yeah. was like, I hate this place. I'm not coming back. Blah, blah, blah. And he leaves. And then he dies. And then his brother's like, nah, listen, he ran away. He's a runaway. He told me he didn't want to come back. He's not coming back. <sighs> and so we have this, like, heartbreaking moment of trying to understand that not everyone is as lucky as Yadriel. Even though Yadriel is having his own struggle. Yeah. Like, he wants acceptance, full-on acceptance from people who maybe aren't capable of it. Yeah. Whereas Julian just wants to be, like, loved. Like, to fit in anywhere. Julian just wants a hug. He needs a hug. That, that poor, poor thing. thing. He needs poor a hug. Baby. So All of them. Flaka, she needs a hug. Just Rocky. Rocky. Omar. Oh, those babies need hugs. Mm-hmm. Oh. They broke my heart. I loved them, though. I loved them. I loved when... So, Yadriel is a trans character, and Flaca is also a trans character. But, like, openly. Openly trans. Mm-hmm. And they were partners in a class at one point, and Flaca only knows Yadriel by his dead name. Mm-hmm. And when they meet again, Flaca asks him, you know, what's your name? What's your real name? And Yadriel finally gets to say... I'm Yadriel, mm-hmm. which I thought was so cool between two trans characters. And, like, I think a huge step of of something that people often miss out on because they don't understand it. Because if you don't have friends or family or any interaction with people who are trans, you don't understand that it's a huge deal when they finally decide on what their real name is going mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. Because it's – I don't know that I've ever heard of someone keeping their actual name. Like, even if it was a unisex name, I don't know that I've heard of people I keeping it very much. I don't think I have. Which I would understand because that's not the real them. And that's a name that was, like, given to them. And it doesn't feel them. And it doesn't fit them. And so, like, I understand that. But we have that interaction that we miss out on in real life. And that was really nice. Yeah. To see that representation. Yeah. I th- the representation was done really well. And I will say it is because this is a book written by a trans author as well. Which is also something that doesn't get enough attention. No. And not that we need to give a ton of attention to people because they're trans. No. But like making sure people see that that people who are trans, gay, bi, whatever are very capable and very good at doing exactly what their straight counterparts would be considered Oh yeah, um, uh, to be doing as like brilliant things, which I don't understand just because you're straight doesn't make you better. Like no. it just doesn't. It, nothing about being straight or gay or trans or wh- however you identify is going to make you a better person. No. You're not better than just because you are those things. Right. But I do think that – we have to give credit to authors who live their lives as fully as possible and are willing to write these stories. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how often I've read trans characters in books. No, like never, because the last trans character we had wasn't trans. It was no. cross-dressing. Yeah. And it was infuriating. It was infuriating, but it was and also like, a historical, and I don't like those. Well, and like, it was sold to us as a trans protagonist. Yeah. And then it wasn't. No. It was very confusing this to my is, brain. This is a trans character. Right. Plain and simple. And, and it's not and just it, one. like, gives a whole new meaning to the understanding of, like, who your family is. Because mm-hmm. we find out, like, Yods has a huge family. Mm-hmm. 
he's got a huge family. And even though they love him, they don't fully accept him because they they can't. Yeah. Or for some of them, they, they won't. won't. Can't and won't are very different things. Yeah. Whereas what we would consider in other books, the group of misfits, which would be Julian and his friends, mm-hmm. they've decided they are each other's family. They will die for each other. They will do anything they can to protect each other. And throughout the book, Julian is often saying things incorrectly, which I think is really funny. Um, I but love he him. says, you know, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the wound instead of womb. Mm-hmm. And that's a saying that um, people don't understand because they only just say blood is thicker than water. But that's not what it means. No. It's been twisted to mean the opposite of what it actually means. Yeah. And so that was something that we all need to be reminded of is that, like, your blood family doesn't have to be your family. No. And it's something that, like, I weirdly tell my students – like, listen, you've got to make it till you can get out of your house, and then you can you can do whatever you want, but you have to get through that part. Yeah. Like, we can't just set children free. No. And no. I know it sucks. As, as someone who considers my friend group as part of my found family, mm-hmm. I think found family is always a great thing to read in books. And I think it tells you more about the protagonist or the character's to see who they pick versus who they have. Yeah. Because you you don't get to pick your parents. Nope. You don't get to pick your siblings. Nope. You don't get to pick your family. It's great if you can get along with all of those people, but it's better to build a support system of people you trust that aren't tied to you by obligation. And that's kind of what a blood family is. It's an obligation yeah. to do certain things, which in some cases is totally fine because it works out. And I think too, though, as someone who does have what I consider my found family, I still am in contact with my family. I talk to my sister almost every day. Yep. I text my mom. I mean, my mom and sister and I are in a group chat. Like I still talk to them constantly, but I do have the other family as well. Yeah. I Like, I consider you guys my found family. Mm-hmm. I chose you to be in my circle. And it's not always just I chose you to be in my circle as my friend, because I know I can call you or text you or text anybody in the group and say, hey, I'm having this problem. Can you talk to me? Yeah. And any of you will drop anything and come help yeah. me out. So I think that it's nice to see Yadriel who has a family, a very large family, and then see Julian who has his found family. Yeah. And being able to see the differences between the two. Right. Because sometimes you forget what those are. And it's it's easy to forget if you don't experience those mm-hmm. the same way. But it was important, I think, for both of them. Yeah. Um, so in the middle of this, we um we have some issues. One of those issues is that Yad thinks that Julian is going maligno already. Yeah. And he's like, it's only been like three days. This is not okay. But it's because um, the ghost of Julian keeps like flickering in and out randomly. And yeah. then it starts spurting blood out of his chest, which is <gasps> like what we would like if you saw that. I hope I never see that. You would be considering that he's reliving his death. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so we're like, oh, shit, that's not good. And they're like, we're going to have to, like, cut him loose. And he tries, and he can't. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about earlier, where we were like, uh, obviously, it's because he's still alive. Yeah. So we have all these problems. <laughs> and at the same time, Yaz is, like, getting the feels, right? He's like, oh. he's precious. Look at him in that light. 
look at how handsome Julian is, like all this stuff. And so they're like, they're worried. Mm-hmm. And rightly so, because also during this three-day period, Tito, who's the gardener, goes malignant and attacks Yadriel. And it's scary. It's terrifying. That was I read that, and I was like, I would die. I would just straight up have a heart attack and die if someone that I was used to seeing turned to me with rotting flesh and blackened teeth oh. and superhuman strength and just like came at me to try to murder me are you kidding me i'm out 100 percent out and then like like i would fall into the same trap as yadriel like i wouldn't remember the words and the motions to save myself hell no so luckily enrique saves him yes fantastic which is great great because now yadriel can continue to hide a little bit but then he like doesn't really no because like the the distraction is that his dad is like, wait, what were you doing? And he's like, oh, shit, you're a brujo. Like, what? Like, they have that whole discovery, and then it's all okay. I think it was the it was Enrique's final proof that Yadriel is, in fact, a boy. Yeah. And I think that was, like, a huge turning point in the story. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's like, well, Lady Death accepts you, so now I can as well. And it's it's interesting because I feel like that's kind of a sign of, like, if this bigger thing says it's okay, then it's okay with me, which sounds silly, but is, I think, very prominent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's prominent in a lot of cultures, though. I mean, if we look about how hard it is for some people to accept someone who is gay or trans, you know, whatever they identify as. Yeah. You see it kind of everywhere. I mean, you see it with the white people because it's not what God intended, whatever. Um, and I know in big Hispanic families, it's kind of difficult to for them to accept that. Like, oh I, yeah, I saw it all the time. I mean, teen pregnancies and and being queer, or whatever. It's not easy. I mean, and I can tell you now, as someone who is queer, it wasn't easy for me to accept it for a long time either. Yeah, I always knew, but I didn't come out until I was thirty-one. Yeah. Because it didn't feel right. But yeah. It's I mean, one of those really unfair things where even if you want to come out, there's like an expectation mm-hmm. of how you're supposed to, which is yeah. super unfair to put on someone who's already marginalized. I already had a hard enough time coming out, even though everyone I told was like, I know. Thanks, by the way, for but all like, that. What? It's still difficult. It's still really hard. And it's and I can't imagine being a trans person coming out because you're not yeah. just saying I like girls, I like boys. By the way, I am this person as opposed to how I was born. I'm not that person. And I can see how it would be difficult to to understand. And I can say, so my child is gender fluid. For me, it wasn't a big thing. You know, they told me and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. What are your pronouns? What do you want me to, ta- to you know, call you? What What's the deal? But I think it was easier for me to be okay with that because I am pansexual. Like, yeah. I'm already part of the community. For me, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. It is what it is. I think one of the, the biggest annoyances for me as a teacher is um, it's a big deal for someone who's 12, 13, 14 to come out and make it public. Mm-hmm. And very often you – or in my experience, I shouldn't generalize, but in my experience, um, oftentimes other adults within our school community will be like, they're just confused. It's just a phase. 
or their parents. Oh, it's just a phase. And here's the thing. It might be. Mm -hmm. It might just be an experimental phase. It might be. But on the off chance, or in my experience, the real chance that they're really trying to tell you that they are different, that they're not what you think they are, you need to respect that and not just brush it off. And that's something that's been really, really, like, unsettling is, like, people our age are like, no, that's that's just a face. And I'm like, sometimes I think that about certain kids, but I often say that I feel like I have very good gaydar. (laughs) <laughs> and so sometimes, like, there's a kid where I was like, someone was like, I'm so jealous because he spends all his time with my girlfriend. I was like, but you don't got to worry. He wants like, you more than your like, girlfriend. Like, don't worry. I don't, think, I don't think your girlfriend's why he's hanging out with you guys. But, like, I would, I don't know that anyone's ever told a kid to their face, oh, it's just a face other than parents. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you should not do that. I think that had I felt more comfortable and been able to come to terms with the fact that I was queer at a younger age, I would have come out sooner. Yeah. But I, I grew but up. But living in a small town, I think yeah. that makes it even harder. Oh, it's so hard. It's yeah. so hard. And then there is the thing, well, it is just a phase. Because you're in a small town, so everyone thinks, you know, they and know you. And even if it is just a phase, I mean, you don't know that. Let me live my life. Like, what if you tried it and really liked it? And what if And then later you, tr- you went back the other side and was like, I kind of like this too. That just means you're a different thing. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, uh, whatever. We're getting off topic. It's a thing. It's, it's a, a thing. spectrum. I thought <laughs> that... It is a spectrum. I thought that it was nice to see the story of Yadriel being accepted for who he is came full circle. Yeah. And it was done well. Yeah. And it, and w- it didn't leave me feeling gross. It needed a lot of, like, wrap-up at the end, which felt a little bit fast, but also it was good. Yeah. So, like, after Tito goes maligno, Julian's like, listen, you gotta cut my tether. I can't stand- I couldn't do that to you. Mm-hmm. What if I hurt you? What if I kill you? All this stuff. And he's got all these feelings. And he's like, fine, we'll go to the old church. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then he has one of those, like, fits where, like, blood is spurting out and then he disappears. Right? Yes. And so then there's like other shit going on, and so Maritza and Yaz are in the old creepy, creepy fucking church, and they like hear stuff, and then they're like, I'm going after it. First of all, no. No. When you hear scary sounds coming from below the abandoned church, no. No. Leave. Immediately. I'm sorry, you're already in the ghosty stuff. Just leave. Just go. But, like, Don't, I guess maybe no. they thought it was, like, their responsibility and they're looking for Julian and all this stuff. So, they get down there and it's, like, they can hear water running. Then they get down there and there's dead people with the jaguar knives sticking out of their chest because they're human sacrifices, which we all knew was coming. We all knew was coming. Yeah. And human sacrifices, first off, are not good ever. Like, just don't human sacrifice. That's not a thing we need to do. Don't do that. It's not going to do anything for you. But it also, in this culture, is it's too powerful. Right. So, like, human blood versus, like, chicken blood or pig blood or whatever. Different different uses, different strengths. Mm -hmm. And so you're not supposed to do that. So, they get down there, and Yadriel's like, ah, shit. Like, look at these dead bodies. He's like, oh, my God, that one's Julian. And Julian's body isn't actually dead. Which we all knew. Because the tether wouldn't break. It's leaking blood from his stab wound, and he's laying on the, like, altar. The altar, yeah. I guess that's what we're going to call it. And then Tio Catrice just, like, pops up, and he's like, yo, 
you found me. Guess what? We're going to take back the power. And he's going on this weird power trip that's very, like, very scar. Very, very villain. Very classic villain, right? Mm -hmm. He's going on this, like, weird monologue about how he's going to release Balam. Balam, yeah. And and he's going to do these human sacrifices. Sorry, it's your cousin. He found me. I had to kill him. Sorry, it's your friend. You know, I didn't know... You, you know, you knew him. Sorry about that. But he's going to have to die now. And so then Maritza and Yance fight Tio Catrice. Yep. And but- in the midst of the incantation, Jibala rises from the weird lake puddle thing. Ugh. And then is pissed and eats Tio Catrice. Bye, Tio Catrice. And he dead. But he's only dead because, like, the souls that are spread in the amulet got ripped off of him and that's how they stopped his incantations and that's all like and then the magic part lady death comes well he calls for her yes he calls for her by cutting his own hand which is against the rules (sighs) because his brujo blood and human blood is too powerful yes but she shows up and it's like this blinding light and she's beautiful and terrifying at the same time and she's like, listen, you want to bring all these people back because they're innocent and you say they didn't do anything, you're going to have to make the ultimate sacrifice. Yes. Which is death. Yes. Lady Death is like, I can't do anything about this. And it's like, but but you're Lady Death. Like, you should be able to. Yeah. So he's like, fine, I'll do it. And then destroys the amulet and is about to die. Uh-huh. And then Maritza. <gasps> Maritza, who is the vegan. Is like, and fuck you, you're going to leave him to die? Yeah. Maritza, who is a vegan and doesn't want to deal with any of blood at all because it goes against all of her rights. Is surrounded by blood. Surrounded by blood, sticks her hands in it, and heals for the, like, first time with meaning. And is, like, powerful. Oh, fuck yeah, Maritza. So they're both super powerful now, even though they broke the rules, which weirdly doesn't change anything. No. Like, they were told this whole time, you can't do that, you can't use your own blood, it's bad. But then it's fine. And so, okay. So then all the dead people come back to life. Not all of them. I think a couple of them were still dead. No, they all Did left. they all come back? Yeah. Sorry. That was the trade-off. Yes. Because of the souls. Yep. And so they all come back to life, and they all get rushed to the hospital, and that's a whole disaster. But then it's fine, because then everyone's in love, and everyone's accepted, and Yaz gets his aquilare. And gets to see his mom. And, oh yeah, and his mom gets to see Julian, and Julian <gasps> can see them. Yes. Which is even better and he has kind of a panic moment like what the fuck like oh all these people are actually dead people oh no yes um it was great it was a really really good ending there was one part where i cried but i don't remember which part it was now oh i 100 percent cried like twice it was towards the end yeah when they maybe kissed. it was when he was sacrificing himself or something when he yeah when they kissed i cried a little bit because i was like that's so fucking they sweet. like full on made out in that hospital and that's okay. Which raises a lot of questions about breath, <laughs> which is also always one of our problems. Because Julian but was mostly dead for a also, couple days. as the the undying romantic piece of me, I had 100% do it. I don't give a shit. I mean, that's fair. I, I don't wouldn't. know that I would rip all the wires off my body and, like, take off down the hallway. Because I feel like they'd slam me to the ground and be like, nope, not going anywhere. Right. But, um, but yeah, kind of like how I want the airport kiss, I feel like this falls under... A similar but extenuating circumstance. Fair. That's fair. I don't need that to happen, whereas an airport kiss. You do. I need that. I don't Obviously. know how that's going to happen with TSA, but. Ugh, we can't do anything funny anymore. I can't make out with random people <laughs> on an airplane. 
Can't have someone run to me through the turnstiles anymore. It can't be a 90s movie. No. I have to like... Because something horrific happened, and now yeah. that can't be a thing. So Everyone's um, ruining my, my rom-com. Someone's ruining your fun. So, this was a really long episode, so let's uh, wrap it up. On a scale of one to five stars, what do you give Cemetery Boys? Since it's our only YA, and so we have far. nothing to compare it to other than things that I've read on my own, which would be unfair... No, you can do that. I mean, what? In but your- I mean, like, I've only read good paranormal way. Like, in your heart, what like do Poison you give Princess it? is paranormal. It's tarot based. Yeah, that was a good one. Mediator was good, even though it's more like candy coated than this one. Yeah. Um, I uh, Twilight doesn't count. No, I hate Twilight. Wait, now that I'm older, about it. I hate it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a five. It was a really good storyline. It was a lot of things that I kind of new, mm-hmm. but now have learned more about. Yep. I enjoyed the characters. I didn't care that there wasn't sex, because there was a cute kiss at the end, and then they kind of lived happily ever after, but like teenage version of happily ever yeah. after. Um, everyone died, and then everyone lived, and then there was like magic. Like, it had a lot, it hit a lot of things for me. Um, I also gave it a five star. You already ranked it a five star before we did this, though, because you've read it before. I had to read it for my book club for last month. Yeah. Um, and I will say that I read it in a single sitting. I loved it so much. I didn't read it in a single sitting. I don't normally read our books in a single sitting, though, unless I have a lot of time. But, like, it was really good. Yeah. I was happily surprised because when you throw things, like, Dia de los Muertos magic and brujo at me. That's a lot. It's a lot to like uh start with. Like it's a lot what? Of process. It is. But that's okay. That's our right. next one is not paranormal. No. And it's a new release. And it's a new release. Which is exciting because we've been trying to do contemporary stuff, but we don't normally do new new. No. Like we do new within the last few years. This- but not like Brand new. This is brand new. This comes out, what, tomorrow? Yeah, May 4th. May the 4th be with you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, May the 4th be with it's you, It's past guys. that when you're listening to this, but still. it's We're recording it's on a Monday. It's a strange day. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So the next one we're reading is Excuse Me While I Ugly Cry by Joya Goffney. I heard about this one from Trisha from Mostly Books. I read mm-hmm. the synopsis and went, oh my god, it's cat. Oh, good. Because... I do love when things are me. Because she writes <laughs> lists. She's got lists for everything. Oh, my God. That's my whole life. You love my lists. My students know it. My family knows it. Okay, but you live your life by a list. I can't get anything done if I don't have a list. I want you to know that our your lists are amazing and we love them. <laughs> They're so, so it, important. It's fine. So, um, with that being said, join us next time for Excuse Me While I Ugly Cry. And until then, remember that bad bitches read romance. Bye! Bye! For Excuse Me While I Ugly Cry. And until then, remember that bad bitches read romance. Bye! Bye!